0: All right. well let's turn to your Bibles this morning, we'll be in Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1 this morning. Again, our theme for the year is striving together as a church. And the purpose of that theme is to bring everyone together to achieve the common goal, to achieve the same thing. And that's exactly what we are called to do, that's what uh, most of us, I would say, would want to do. As a group of individuals, it's hard for us to achieve anything unless we are all focused on the same goals. Pastor and Christian author A.W. Tozer wrote this in his book, The Pursuit of God. He said, Has it ever occurred to you that a hundred pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are all in one accord being tuned, not each one to another, but to another standard that each one must individually bow. So a hundred worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are all part nearer to each other than ever possible. If we even tried to look and focus on each other in this idea of unity, they still would not be closer than they were if they would look toward God. That should be our desire today as believers of this local New Testament church. It's to strive together and do what God has called us to do. As a church, what is our ambitions? What are our goals and what are we trying to accomplish as a church? I would sure say that there's some things we can name. We would want to see more people get saved. That would probably be our number one goal, at least I hope it would be. Uh, Maybe we would want to see more people come in on the vans. We'd love to see more visitors come to be a part of our service. We want to see more people be baptized. We want to see more people saved. On and on, we can look at the variety of lists that maybe we have placed as a, a priority in our church and in our lives. These are all great things, and they're things that we need to do, but how can we accomplish them if we are not together praying for that same goal? For us to accomplish anything as a church, we must have that unity in our efforts. And that is what I want us to see here in Colossians chapter number 1, where Paul is addressing the very same subject with the church at Colossae. So we are here in Colossians chapter number 1. We'll begin reading in verse number 9. Colossians chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 9, the Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, and all wisdom and spiritual Understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, or excuse me, all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power, and all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of the darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Here in Paul's address to the church, we find that he is doing uh, what he is doing to help the believers. He is praying for them. Now again, he can't be everywhere. He can't go to all these different churches that we've addressed and looked at throughout the New Testament, but he can pray. As I mentioned in Sunday school, not everybody can go out and knock doors. Not everybody can go out and hang up uh, door hangers. Not everybody can reach other people, but we can all pray. We all have a mind. We all have an ability. We all can pray. And I want us to look at four attributes this morning of prayer that we find the Apostle Paul had mentioned here in this text that we can incorporate it into our lives as well. So, four things this morning regarding the idea and attitude of prayer. Let's do that. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, to begin with, please. Lord God, again, we do thank you for our time this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us focus on your word. Help us to look to exactly what you have for us. Help us to see from the example that the Apostle Paul has written here of the attitude of prayer, what we need to do and how we need to do it. And Lord, help us to involve these in our lives as well. Help us to be people of prayer. But Lord, I ask and pray that you would uh, help us this morning to put away the distractions. Lord, to help us to focus on exactly what you need us to see. Lord, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought this morning. Help me to speak exactly what I need to say according to what you've given and your will is. Lord, do a work here that only you can. We certainly will give you the praise and honor for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's amazing that we can look at different epistles that the Apostle Paul has written, and many of them begin the same way. Paul was not just a talker. He was a doer. And in our text, we see that he was persistent in prayer. And that's the first thing I want you to see this morning. The first attribute we find here in verse number 9 is persistent in prayer. The church of Colossae had no doubt been corresponding with the Apostle Paul about their church. They probably had sent him letters, maybe asking some different questions. Maybe wanting to know some insight on uh, on what to do and how to to run their church. Maybe some some practical areas or, or whatever the case. But nonetheless, they were engaged in conversation back and forth and paul was uh, giving them some helps on what to do in their church we mentioned there verse number three and in verse number nine that he was continually praying for them which begs the question for us this morning are we faithful in our time of prayer now we hear the term faithful oftentimes but how do you define it Now, I could ask different people to define this word on what they would consider to be faithful, and it would all come up in different areas in different ways. But what is it that you think about when it comes to the term of being faithful? Maybe we think of someone who has been married for many years, and they were faithful to each other. I think of people who do certain jobs. I think of firefighters who have been faithful in going in toward the fire when we are running out. I think of our our law enforcement and police officers who are going toward trouble and problems when we are running away. I think of our military who are engaged in battle, faithfully serving no matter what. So there's a variety of things we can look at and understand this term of being faithful. But Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines faithful as firmly adhering to duty, constant in the performance of duties or services. Those men and women who do those types of jobs of being in, in law enforcement or firefighting or military or, or whatever it is. They, they're not the only ones that are faithful. I understand that. Other people are faithful as well. But uh, again, <clears throat> they are faithful to do what they have been called to do. Now we as believers have been called to be faithful as well. We have been called to do uh, a variety of things. And we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us to, to be faithful. And do what God has called us to do. There's others that tell me that I'm praying for you. And that's an encouragement to me. To know that there are people out there that are praying for me as I'm trying to serve and to minister in whatever way possible. It's encouraging when I hear other people say, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for this situation. Or, or they remember the, the, the situation in a family and, and they go up to them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Or I'm praying about this situation. It's encouraging that we can come to church and know that there are others in this building that are praying for different situations. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Our profession as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, our job, if you would, is to be faithful in our Bible study, in our prayer, in our serving to God. Those are things that should be just like any other job. You punch in and you punch out. You do what you're supposed to do. That is our profession of faith. We also need to be fervent in our prayer. Not just faithful, but fervent. Fervent in prayer is the idea of having power in life in our prayers. Sadly, some Christians pray just going through a laundry list of different things. Lord, pray to bless this person. Praise to bless this pray the best this person, little Johnny needs this, little Susie wants that, and we just kind of go through the list. We don't have any fervency about our prayer. We don't have any emotion. We don't have anything tied up in what we're saying. We're just going through and doing what we say we're supposed to do. Some may understand that there is power in what we understand in our prayer. Do you realize who you're talking to when you pray? Think about that for a moment. Who is it that you are addressing when you mention prayer or when you go to your time of prayer? Again, it's the Lord God creator of all things. He is the creator of the universe. He's the one that established our steps. He's the one that created you and I. James chapter 5 and verse number 16 tells us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't know about you, but I want to be that righteous man. I want to be that faithful man that is praying to to see my prayers be answered. But our prayers are so much more beneficial if we would really have some faith in our prayers. Praying with some fervency. But not only that, we need to be frequent in our prayer. How often do you pray? Once a day. Once a day. Once a week, when you come to church. Even during that time frame of when we pray, how long do we pray? We sing the song, sweet hour of prayer. But I would dare say there are many Christians today that have no idea what it's like to even pray for that amount of time. How important is it to us to pray? We would really take time to look at different ideas and aspects of our prayer and, and truly know what it is we are doing. Are we praying with a sense of reality, knowing and expecting God to answer our prayers? Again, I think oftentimes we just pray to throw up words and say, yes, I prayed about it. I don't expect God to answer it. He may not even be, be able to hear me, but I'm just going to say it anyway. That's not praying. That's just going through the motions. Many people just go through that, but God will not hear their prayer. And I say that based on Scripture. Why do I say that? Again, back in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, tossed. For let him not think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. God says, you're going to pray to me, you're going to do it in faith. You better do it with the right attitude. You better do it with the right heart. And then... I will be able to hear your prayer. There's a lot of things we can look at this morning that hinders our prayer. We'll not go down the list this morning. But right now, thinking about our prayers and how important it is to us, God wants to hear our prayers. Understand that this morning. God wants to hear and answer our prayers. But we must pray believing that He will answer them. This also brings about the question how long should I pray about something? There's a lot of people today that, that wonder and question, well, I've been praying about this situation for, for so many days, months, years, whatever the case. When am I to stop? You stop when you get an answer. This is why the Bible again reminds us that we are to seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We are not to stop praying until God gives us the answer. Now, understand it may not be the answer you like. And I think that's the problem. You may not get the answer that is right for this time. But we are to continue to pray. We are to continue to seek the Lord and find out what it is He wants from us. Keep praying. Keep asking. Be persistent in your prayers. But the next attitude or attribute that Paul mentions here is being passionate about prayer. Being passionate about prayer. Look again at verse number 9 with me. Again, for this cause we also sense... The day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you again. That's the first point. The second one here, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. That desire, that passion, it needs to be in our prayer. What desires do you have that you repeatedly bring before the Lord? I'm sure we have some who have physical issues that we want resolved, and we continually bring that before the Lord. I know we continually pray for others Who have different needs. And and that's not what I'm talking about. We're to have passion about our prayers. It seems that we are more passionate about things that are are not of God. We get excited about sporting events and teams. I was thinking about this the other day. Forgive me, but this is how my mind works. When little kids would go up and play baseball, what did you do? He's going to take up the bat. Hit the ball. Johnny, hit the ball. Run fast. What happens when the man of God gets up to preach? This is what we hear. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have somebody on there say, Woo! He's going to preach. Get up there and preach. Now, I'm not opposed to that. I'd be kind of like, Woo! Really? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. See, people would get excited if you got excited, if you had some passion in your life. But I know we can't do anything like that. We've allowed the charismatics to steal our joy and our excitement to where we just want to sit back and say, oh, I can't do that in church. Why? Why not? I would much rather have somebody stand up here and say, Woo! We're going to hear some preaching, Preach, preach, preach! Phone fingers, whatever. I don't care. We should get excited about what God has for us. Look in the Word of God and what He has done for us. Think back on what God has done in your life. Is that not worthy of praise? Amen. We'll do it for other things. We'll do it for other people. But when it comes to God and what He's done in our lives, we become silent. One day I'm going to get that cricket app and I'm going to play it up here. Nothing. There's no excitement. There's no passion about what God has done for us. You think, well, I can't do it outwardly. Well, do it on the inside at least. When you're praying, do you not get excited about what God has done? Do you not think about who it is you're talking to? And the excitement that it should bring in our lives. We should be passionate when we pray. Again, we get ecstatic about people in our lives and the places we go, and we can't seem to get a little emotional about offering our worship to the one who saved us. We need to have some excitement. We need to have some passion as we're serving the Lord. When was the last time you got emotional about offering your prayers to God? Has God not moved your life enough for it to stir your heart? Paul prayed in our text that the church would be filled. I pray continually that our church will be filled, not just this building, what we call the church house, but the church, the people, will be filled with God and His will and His knowledge. I pray continually that God would excite us that would be a people of excitement about what God has done. I want to know more about God. I don't know about you. I want to know more. I want everyone in our congregation to know more. I want our lives to be filled with the passion of our Savior. And we're passionate about Him. Then our prayers and our service to God will be passionate. I'm not talking about a false form of worship. I'm talking about genuinely... Basing the knowledge that we have of our God. Again, that's what Paul mentioned here. Paul said he wanted to be filled with the knowledge of his will. If we knew God's will, we would be passionate about our communication with him. If we understood exactly what God would want us to do, and he has given us, I I don't care, a neon sign in the sky saying, this is what I want you to do, I think we would get excited about it because, hey, look, God showed me what I'm going to do. That's exactly But instead, well, I just don't know. Have you been praying about it? Have you been seeking God? He's going to reveal His will if you would allow Him to. Again, think about who He is. He is the Lord God Almighty, the Most High God, Lord and Master, Jehovah, my banner, my shepherd, the everlasting God, the Lord of peace, the Lord will provide, and the Lord of hosts, just to name a few. Again, these are all Old Testament names referring to God as He provided thanks for the nation of Israel. And He can provide the same for you today. But again, who is God. Not just in name, but who is He to you? Do you know who God is to claim the promises He provides? If we don't know the knowledge or don't have that knowledge of who He is and what He can do, then we can't grab a hold of those promises. The Bible repeatedly tells us that we must have the knowledge and know the truth of who God is to worship Him. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if you don't understand the knowledge, you don't have the truth of the Word of God, you can't truly worship God. Just think about the names of God. That should excite us enough. That should stir our passion about praying and communicating with Him. And that is what Paul mentions next, is having the wisdom and spiritual understanding. I mentioned a few weeks back about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is facts. They're great to have those knowledge and those facts about what it is, but it's even more important that we are able to apply them. And that's what wisdom comes in. This is in reference to salvation. All wisdom and spiritual understanding is knowing the gospel. Everything related to God begins with salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14 says, But the natural man, or the unsaved man, is who that is referring to, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The one thing as a believer that we need to be passionate about is salvation. This is the most important message the world needs to hear. And we have the responsibility to tell everyone about it. Can you imagine wanting something that everybody else didn't want? Just for an example. How excited were people to get the COVID shot? Think about it. We've all seen it. We've all seen things from the news. And there was, I honestly don't recall anybody's like, woohoo! I'm going to get a shot. Whether you believe them or not, it doesn't matter. Everybody's attitude toward it was different. Now, could you imagine if somebody was, hey, woo, this is the greatest thing ever, and you, yeah, woo, then more people would be apt to get it. Whether it works or not, that doesn't matter. Our attitude reflects a lot. If we're not excited about, woo, i got salvation, man, I've got Jesus living inside of me, He directs and guides me, I love it, it's wonderful, you should get it. Maybe that would entice some people to say, you know what? They're kind of crazy. I need to figure out what that's about. But instead we say, oh, glory to God, I have to go to church on Sunday. I have to be there because if not, preacher's going to call me or text and wonder, where am I at? Are we not excited why God has given us an opportunity to praise him? Be excited. Have some passion about what God has done. Paul said, I'm praying that you will have the knowledge of God and the wisdom to share it with everyone so they can get saved. Be passionate about the message and be passionate when you pray to God in heaven because the two go hand in hand. Being persistent, being passionate is great. But we need to have some productivity through prayer. Number three this morning productivity through prayer as we find in verses 10 and 11 it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering and joyfulness Paul is encouraging them here to be fruitful in every good work this was the point of praying if we can't get anything done If we can't be fruitful, if we can't get a hold of God, if we can't see results, then why even pray? Isn't that the purpose of our prayer life? To see God, to get a hold of Him, to allow Him to to, to do some work, to meet the needs of those around us? Unfortunately, there are some things that hinder our prayer. And when we pray, we're not doing it right, then the words don't get any higher than the ceiling. We know that sin will cause our prayers to become unanswered. I've quoted Psalms chapter 66, verse 18 many times. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Iniquity indicates a conscious decision committed without the desire for repentance. Indifference toward the things of God is what we would call apathy today. I read James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 earlier, and this is the idea of instability relating to God. Self-indulgence is another very common sin of today that will hinder our prayers. James chapter 4, verse number 3, it says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye consume it upon your lusts. These are just a few things that will keep our prayers from being heard and answered by God. Because of them, we are not very productive through prayer. To be productive in prayer, we must, again, it must be a part of our daily walk, as Paul had mentioned here, walk mightily worthy of the Lord. Our prayer becomes a habit in our lives when we continually do it. And others will take notice of that. Others can see that in our lives. When people see the faith in our everyday actions, then it becomes a productive faith. Then it's going to draw people to, to ask those questions or wonder what it is we're doing and why we're different. When we walk around being part of the the secret service of God, then we're not being very productive for the Lord. We're failing to be that light that God has called us to be. We can talk about being a Christian as well. But what we need to do is make sure we're putting those things into action. To be a strong believer, the one who shows their faith continually, we need to have the strength and the might of God. We have access to the power of God if we would just follow His commands. We must realize that God has given us certain commands to follow, but He has also given us the power in which to do them. He doesn't expect us to do things in our own strength because we would fail. We looked at Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God last month. Verse number 10 instructs us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The only way to do that is to put on the armor of God. And sometimes, being productive takes patience. Oh, we don't want to hear that. That's what happens. We hear people say, have patience. But we want things done right now. Have patience. Wait on God. It's probably one of the hardest things to do is waiting on what God has for us. Because we know what He does is perfect and right. But that's exactly what the Bible instructs. Psalms 27, verse number 14 says, Wait in the Lord, be of good cheer, and ye shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. While we are waiting on God, we need to continue to do what He has called us to do, to be productive in our service to Him. There's a lot of people that say, Well, I'm just waiting for Him to tell me exactly what I should do, or where I should go. Well, you know the general will of God is for us to serve Him, to witness for Him, read our Bibles, to pray, and on and on. Those are the things we should be doing as we are waiting for more instructions. That's where a lot of people get into, get into trouble. Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. No, you need to be busy. You need to be doing what you know is right and then continue on. We think about the servant that Abraham had uh, <clears throat> that wanted to send him off to find a wife for his son Isaac. You remember the account there? And his servant said this, I being in the way, the Lord led me. Which means I was out busy, I was out doing, and as I was doing that, hey, he gave me something else to do. That's the way we need to be with our Lord. We need to be busy doing what we know is right and allowing Him to speak to our hearts and then give us that next instruction. Paul tells us, That we are to have patience and wait on God, but also we're to understand long-suffering. We may think that we have worked for years for for certain things, and then it will never come to fruition. But God reminds us that He will strengthen us, but have patience and long-suffering. I'm thankful that I serve a God who is long-suffering. Looking back on my life and the things that I've done, I'm thankful for His long-suffering. God's Word says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 12, Rejoice in hope, patience in tribulation. I don't like that part of the verse. You know, I'd just like to delete that out, wouldn't you? But as we're going through that tribulation, we've got to have patience. But it also says continuing instant in prayer. You want to know how to get through that tribulation? Continue to pray. Continue to seek the Lord. Lord, help me to get through this. Lord, give me the directions. Give me what I need to make it through. Paul echoes the same sentiment here in, in Colossians chapter 1 verse number 11. He mentions patience, long-suffering, but that it all needs to be done with joyfulness. We can endure patience sometimes. We can have that long-suffering. But to do it with having a smile on our face can be very difficult. But that's what he says. I want you to be joyful about it. God wants to fill us with His joy. So that we can continue to be productive even in difficult times of our life. Be persistent in prayer. Be passionate about prayer. Be productive through prayer. And finally this morning, praise During prayer. Praise during prayer. Look at verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing God wants to hear more than our praise to Him. Why do we pray? What is part of our prayer life? What do we include in our prayers? Do we take time to praise God and worship Him during our time of prayer? Do we sing songs of praise to God? Do we quote Scripture back to God? And you think, well, that's kind of dumb. Why? That's exactly what God wants to hear. He wants to hear us sing praises. He wants to hear the joy from our lips. He wants us to quote His love letter back to Him. That's what he enjoys hearing. These are the words and the ways that God wants during our time of prayer to praise Him. Yes, I know uh, He knows all things, but it's just like any other father wants to hear praise from their children's lips. God wants to hear it from our lips as well. Paul reminds us to give thanks for our inheritance of eternal life. When was the last time you thanked God for your salvation? It seems many people today never stop to think about Or offered God the thanks that He deserves regarding our salvation. I mentioned this quote a few weeks back in the adult Sunday school class. Thankfulness will always lead to thankfulness. Think about that for a moment. Thankfulness will always lead to thankfulness. The more we think about it, the more we will be thankful for what we have. Our inheritance shows we belong to God the Father. And that we will one day enjoy being joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Think about the splendors of heaven and all that it entails. That will be ours one day. Isn't that worthy of our praise? Isn't that worthy of praising God and thanking Him for those things? Not only our inheritance, but think about our deliverance from darkness as verse number 13 mentions. Those who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior will spend eternity in darkness separated from God. We enjoy the splendor and light of God Almighty because we have been delivered. We praise God for our inheritance, for our deliverance, but most of all for our redemption of sin found in verse number 14. We have been freed from not... Just the penalty and payment of sin. But we have victory over sin in this life. I mentioned Romans chapter 8 verse number 1 uh, last week. There is now no condemnation. Right now we have no condemnation if we have been saved and we are in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we can have victory over sin right now. It's not something I have to look forward to. It's not something I have to wait for. We've got it right now. That is something that should be worthy of our praise. That we should offer praise to God continually just because of what we deal with on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but I fight sin every day. I fight the, the, the things that come into my mind that Satan tries to get me off track and derail me. And I'm thankful that I can claim Jesus and say, get out of here. Erase those things from my mind. But yet do we thank God for them. So what does your prayer life consist of? Are you persistent in prayer? Are you passionate about prayer? And productive through prayer? What kind of praise do you offer during your time of prayer? These are things we must strive together if we want God's way in our lives but also in our church. We've got to learn to strive together. We've got to learn to come together as one and to seek out the Lord's will and way. Do you wonder why your, your family may not have a great continuity and unity together? Because maybe you haven't taken time to pray together. Maybe you haven't taken time to pray with your wife. I know that's something in my life that I want more of that I know I need to do, but I don't. But we've got to stop and think, how important is it? What does your prayer life consist of? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Maybe the Lord has brought something to your mind regarding prayer.